So Hebrews chapter number 11, starting, we'll read the first five verses. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, believing, dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Colonel Harry Liversedge was a giant of a man, he was six foot three, 250 pound uh, Marine colonel, and he was a commander of the ground forces um, at Iwo Jima. He was an imposing figure, he was the boxing coach for the Marines for a while, uh, athletic, big, strong. He's a very confident man, and so he, he believed that he could do just about uh, anything he set his mind to, but he was also very humble. He wasn't arrogant, and, but he, he knew what he could do, and uh, when he set his mind to something, he carried it out. And his troops loved him, um, and they would have done just about anything for him. Um, one soldier said that they were in training, and they were to present themselves for inspection, and he told him he wanted them dressed with their field scarves, which is a necktie. So this officer didn't hear that part or missed it, and he showed up, and they're all lined out of attention. Here comes uh, the colonel down to inspect him, and he wasn't wearing his field scarf. And he said he felt like he just crawled in a hole and died because he just knew that he's going to chew him out in front of everybody, and it was he was just dreading it, and, and people were whispering, asking why he wasn't dressed. And he said the colonel walked up to him, looked him up and down, Stared at him for a few seconds and then announced to everybody else, he said, there'll be no field scarves for inspection today. And then looked at him and then, and then went on. But, but this man said that he did that because, to cover for him. He had told them what he wanted and this guy failed to do it, but he had mercy on him. He covered for him and he didn't chew him out. And he said it was things like that that he would do for them that they would just do anything for him. And they did do just about anything at Iwo Jima, as, as you know, as those soldiers would just go and they run into death and fight for, for weeks straight um, just because they loved this man. He inspired them to, to do whatever they, they, they respected him. He had the power to have forced them. He, he was a big man. He had the authority of the, the government behind him, and he could have made them do it. But he couldn't make them... Uh, love him and and do that for him. These these men, because they loved their leader, um, wanted to do what was right, and so they started. Uh, they they would do what was right and do what they were told, not just because they had to, but because they wanted to, because they desired to. Abel offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and Abel's sacrifice was because he loved God. He wanted to do what was right, not just because he had to. He wanted to make an offering because he loved the Lord. 
And he would have done anything out of love for God. He would have done anything that God told him, not only because God was the Almighty, because God is creator, because he loved God and desired to please him. Enoch walked with God because he loved God and desired to please him. They lived by faith, not only because God said, but they, they did what God said because they loved him. And we're going to look this morning, Lord willing, at Abel and Enoch and see how the author of Hebrews tells us that by faith, they offered sacrifices and walked with God because they desired to please the one they loved. Abel, as we read before the uh, preaching back in Genesis chapter 4, um, worshipped God because he loved God. We know that the world was framed by the word of God, as Hebrews tells us, that God created this world and everything in it, and he created man from the dust of the earth and created man in his own image. And then God took man and breathed in him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And everything in Genesis chapter 2 was good. The earth was good. The creation was good. Um, there was no sin. There was no destruction. Everything was perfect. God took from Adam's side and created woman. And then you had a, per, uh, a sinless man, uh, a sinless woman, living in a perfect paradise, given a mandate from God um, to go and to glorify him and to subdue the earth. So if let's go back to Genesis and take a look for a little while in Genesis. So in chapter 1, verse 28, and God blessed them. So this is God blessing Adam and Eve. So here they are in this world that God has created that was uh, beautiful, without sin, without corruption. God blessed Adam and Eve and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which the fruit of a yield, tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God takes Adam and Eve and says, okay, here, here's a mandate for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to glorify my name in this earth. I've created you in my image. I want you to go forth and I want you to have children and populate the earth. And I want you to go and you're going to have dominion over the earth. You're going to, um, you're going to ha have dominion over the animals, the plants. Go out and, and build uh, or plant gardens and, and cultivate the earth. This earth is you're going to to make this earth glorify my name. So have children, raise the animals, cultivate the garden, grow plants. This is, this is what I'm giving you that you may glorify my name. And so in chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord took the man, put him in the garden to dress and to keep it. So everything is good. God gave Adam and a, a, a mission to accomplish, to glorify God's name. He was to start in Eden, 
this paradise of God to dress it, to keep it, to um, to raise those animals uh, for for His usage, to grow these plants and herbs and trees for food, and to glorify God's name in the earth. There's only one law, only one thing. Everything was a yes for Adam. Adam could do everything um, that his heart desired because he had made him without sin. And there's only one thing that he wasn't allowed to do. There's only one no in this garden. It was not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do anything else, if you eat anything else, you just don't eat this tree, the fruit of this tree. But we know in chapter number three, the serpent came, which is more subtle than every beast of the field. And he comes and he deceives Eve. He tempts Eve. And he has her question God's goodness. Is God really that good? I mean, if he was, then why would he tell you no about that tree? And Eve said, well, that tree does look pretty good. And I'm sure it'd be tasty. And, um, you know, but God did say not to eat it. And he said, well, God's, why would God tell you that? It makes you wonder what else God's holding back on you and, and he tempted her, had her doubt God, doubt God's goodness, question God's goodness. And she ate of that fruit. And just like God said, the day that they ate, they shall surely die. Well, she gave it to Adam and he ate. And we find that their eyes were opened. They were no longer innocents, but they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. So, so now what God had given them in goodness, they, they have broken God's law. And now they're hiding um, from God. When chapter 3, verse number 10, the Lord says, Adam, where are you? And he says, in verse number 10, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, And the woman thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? He said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So they, they broke God's only law he gave them. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and and the woman, in between thy seed and her seed, and that shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of the, thy face shalt thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. So because of Adam's sin, death in it. Before that, there was no death, but now there is death. That's why things die. That's why people die. That's why there's death, because of sin. The Lord said that whenever they would eat, they would die, and Adam sinned. Sin entered into the world, 
And death entered into the world, and we see that curse entered into the world. The New Testament tells us that Adam was our representative. So um, if Adam, Adam was our representative in that um, if Adam had obeyed, mankind would not have been uh, thrust into this state that we're in. But he failed, and as our representative, all the earth was cursed. Because Adam died, so do we. Because Adam fell, so did we. In Adam. And so God cursed the serpent. He cursed the woman. He cursed the man. And he cursed the earth. Well, the reason I started in chapter number one is you see that what God had given Adam to be a blessing now has been cursed. God said, go forth and be fruitful and multiply. Go have children and populate the earth. But now, the woman um, will have multiplied sorrow in conception. The thing that God had told them to do to glorify him now is multiplied in, in more difficulty. The man was to go out and to take dominion of the and to uh, plow the fields and, and work and till the land and, and, and take care of the beast and so forth. Well, what happened there? Well, the ground was cursed. The work that Adam is to do to glorify God has now been cursed. What would have been a joy and a blessing is now marred by the fall. So everything that God had blessed them with has now become multiplied in difficulty. The mandate that God had given them is now marred by the curse of sin. The serpent was cursed, and he has to eat dirt uh, all his life, crawl on his belly. But the other side of that, you see, there were two seeds there in the garden that God talked about. There's going to be the seed of the woman to which that one seed, which is Christ, would come and, and break the serpent's head. But you also find there's another seed, another lineage, and that is the seed of the serpent. So in that curse, and back in Genesis um, 3, 15, there's enmity between the woman and between thy seed and her seed. There's, there's enmity between the seed of the devil and this other seed. This other, this other group, there, there's two groups of people here. One and they're, all, they're going to be at odds with one another until the one seed comes and crushes that serpent's head. So there's two seeds here. There's two, two groups of people. So even in the being fruitful and multiply, we find a curse in, in that there's going to be now children of the devil. And it's not going to have anything to, to do to who you're related to. But this is something spiritual that, that he's talking about. It's something that's not who your, who your physical lineage is, but it's something else altogether. Well, Adam named everything. God told him to name everything, and he gave Eve um, a name, or gave his wife a name, Eve, because she's the mother of all living. And then God clothed them with animal skins. They were naked and ashamed because of their, their sin. God slew the animals there, I believe, and clothed them with animal skins, 
covered their shame. But, but Adam and Eve, I believe, were still looking. So, well, God said that there's going to be a man born and he's going to destroy that serpent. So I'm going to call you Eve. Looking by faith, I believe, to one that would come and set things right. One who would succeed where he failed. God drove them out of the garden, the place where they were to walk with God and worship God, the paradise of God, where everything was yes, that they could enjoy God in innocency and perfection. But they were driven out of there. And there was a cherubim that was placed there to guard that way. And now they're out, out of, out of Eden. Well, chapter 4 starts, as we read, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Now, I, for, I haven't forgotten what I'm preaching on. We're just taking a little bit to get there. But, but, um, so, so Adam and Eve have a son. And Eve is happy. She says, I've gotten a man from the Lord. The Lord has given me a son. Is this the one that might crush the serpent's head? Will she bear another son? Abel. So the Lord is blessing. God said, be fruitful and multiply. The Lord gave him two sons. Maybe one of these two boys would be the one to whom would crush the serpent's head. Well, these two boys took off and they had two different jobs. What was it that God told Adam to go and to, to keep the beasts and to, to, take, to, to till the ground? Well, one boy was a keeper of sheep. The other was a tiller of the ground. Two things that God told them to do. He told Adam to be fruitful and multiply, to keep the animals and to till the ground, well, Genesis 4, 1 and 2, we find they're doing just that. They are doing as God said. So they're, they're keeping the earth, not in the Garden of Eden anymore, but, um, but out in the earth. Well, in the process of time, and perhaps in the appointed time when they were supposed to do so, but in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. So now they're going to worship. They're to glorify God. That's what they were to do, glorify God upon the earth. And they're doing that um, just as God had said. Abel <laughs> offered the firstlings and the fat of his work, and God was pleased with that. God had respect into that. God received that worship. But Cain offered of the ground from his work, and God did not receive that. He did not respect that. So before we get to Abel, to understand why Hebrews points us to Abel's sacrifice, of that is faith, I think we need to look at and consider Cain and see what was wrong with his. Now, there's nothing wrong in the Old Testament, with these offerings of offering something from the ground. It wasn't necessarily a sin to give an offering from the ground. Leviticus 2 talks about, in the Mosaic Covenant, um, a meat offering, or that would be a grain offering, where they would come and offer their grain unto the Lord as, a, as an offering. 
Um, Deuteronomy 18, Deuteronomy 26 talks about offering of the first of the crops of the field. So just because it was from the ground doesn't necessarily mean that it was, it was wrong to do so. But Cain did do something wrong. We read that, that, that he did not, God did not have respect of that offering. And verse 5 says, Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. God did not have any regard for Cain's offering. He was not pleased with it. Even though he brought of what he had done, even though he had brought from and, and offered something to God, God was not pleased with the offering. And God told him that if he had done well, it had been accepted. If he had done right, God said, I would have received your offering. But you didn't. And sin lies at the door. And sin desires to have you and rule over you, Cain. But you can see from Cain's reaction the, the problem with his offering. You can see from that reaction the problem with it. Because Cain had no desire whatsoever to please God. So if God tells you you're wrong, what should be your response? Well, if you love God, it should be, I'm sorry, right? Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my offering did not please you. Well, what would be the next thing that you would think? What would be the next thing you would ask? Well, I'm sorry I messed that up. What do I need to do? What should I have done? To, to that? How have I offended you? What do you think about your, your spouse? You know, if you, maybe you give your spouse a gift and they take that gift and they open it up and they start crying and it's not because they're so happy, it's because they, they're really disappointed and you say, well, what did I do wrong? I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I love you. And I gave you a gift because I want to make you happy, but clearly I didn't. What, what can I do? Well, the bad response would be to get mad, right? And, and to, to say, well, well you, ought to, you ought not to have uh, done that. Well, that's what Cain did. He, he got mad at God. He was mad and his countenance fell. He was very wroth. And not only was he mad at God, but he was mad at Abel because Abel... Sacrifice was received. So his desire then was not to please God. His desire was for something, it was self-serving, it was proud. And so if Cain gave an offering because he just, uh, he just wanted, you know, or if Cain's offering wasn't received and he got mad about it, we can see from that he wasn't trying to please God, he was being self-serving. And if he was being self-serving, we can't expect that Cain would have given the best of his, his, of his offering. Because the text tells us that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. He came and just gave. Not because he loved God, but because probably he had to. It's a process of time he's supposed to, so he's going to go through the motions and he's going to do what he's supposed to do. His reaction then was hatred towards God. He didn't love God with all of his heart. 
He looked at his brother and murdered him. Can you imagine he murdered his brother? Why? Because his brother was a, a, a received of God, and he wasn't. And so because of his hatred of God, he hated anyone who followed after God, and he didn't love his brother as he ought, and he said, am I my brother's keeper? And he didn't say, well, I love my brother as myself. I love him, um, and uh, I should learn of him and follow him. No, he hated him. So he broke uh, the two, two commandments there. He hated God and he hated his neighbor, his brother. So what do we have here? Well, we have two different groups of people here. They're the same brothers, but you have the two seeds. You have those that love God and those who are of the devil. Cain was of that second seed, so we... So that's why I went back and looked at that because here now we have two different groups of people. You have one who was received of God by faith and you have another group of people who hates God, who hates God's ways, who hates God's people. And they are the sons of the devil. They are the children of the devil. Um, in 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 12, John picks this up and, and, and shows us that this is the true meaning of, of what was going on back there in 1 John 3, 12. Well, in verse 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore he slew him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. So why? Cain's works were evil. He didn't worship God because he loved him. He worshiped God out of going through the motions. He just offered, some, offered what he had. But he didn't love God. And he didn't love his brother. He was of that wicked one. There was enmity between thy seed and her seed. Those who lived by faith and those who did not. Jesus said the same to um, the Jews of his day who hated him. He said, you're of your father the devil. John 8. You're of your father the devil. Why? Because he was a murderer from the beginning and so are you. The seed of the serpent Liars, murderers, haters of God, haters of, of men. And Jesus said, you know, you religious people, you go through your motions, you make your sacrifices, you make your offerings. You go through and you say that you follow the law and you do all the things that are written in the law, but here I am, I've come um, to, I've come the Messiah but you don't understand what I said? Because if you were of God, if you were of your Father, you would love me. Because I proceeded forth and came from God. I didn't come from myself, but Him that sent me. Why don't you understand me? Because He said, you are of your Father the devil. The lust of your Father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, 
Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. You're not of Abraham's seed, Jesus said. You're not of the seed of the people of God. You're of your father, the devil. Cursed, Cain was. So now, let's look at Abel. Let's look at the other son. Why was that son, why was that sacrifice of that son received and the other wasn't? Well, Hebrews tells us that it was a more excellent sacrifice. A more excellent sacrifice. Well, why? Why was it greater? Well, first of all, we see that Abel offered the firstlings and the fat. From what I understand that some of the pagan gods um, required, or the pagan religions, would say that their gods um, liked the gristle, the bones, or the hooves, you know, just whatever, the, the, the trash of the animal. They said our gods like those best for sacrifices. Well, why did they say that? Because they were going to kill the animal. They would take all the meat and the fat and all the good parts, and they'd keep it from themselves, and then they would just give, they would take their trash and take it down to the temple and offer it to their gods and say, well, this is for the gods because... You know, that's what we heard anyway, that, that they like to eat that stuff. They like that stuff better than the good stuff. Well, obviously you can see through that why they did that, because they are the children of the devil. They give God what was left over. Cain didn't, it didn't say he gave of his first fruits or the best fruits, but he probably gave of the, the calls or the, what wasn't the best. Whenever... Uh, you pick apples, you, you have people go out and you pick all the apples and they're picking as fast as they can pick because you make more money, more apples that you pick. And sometimes they're going to pick small ones and sometimes they're going to pick green ones and they'll have bruises on them or maybe a crow ate them, but they're not going to sit out, out in the field and inspect every one. They're just going to pick as fast as they can. Well, then it comes into the packing house and then they inspect them. And they'll, they'll lay them out and they'll expect every one of those apples. And if it's too small, they'll throw it in a box and... If it's bruised, they'll throw it in a box. And you got a big box full of apples you can't sell. And then people will come out and, and buy them, and they'll get buy them for their feed their deer, and or they'll buy them and make applesauce out of them or, or whatever. But that's just the leftovers. That's the trash. And if you can't sell those, you just throw those away. Well, that's probably what Cain offered. He wasn't going to offer the good stuff, but but what Abel offered was the best. It was the first and then the fat thereof, that that which was the most valuable. Now why did he do that? We did that by faith, believing God would receive his worship, and he did that because he loved God. Because he desired to please God. And he said, what, what am I going to give to God? Not to earn God's favor, not to earn his salvation, but he loved him. And said, so, yes, God is my creator, and God could, could uh, destroy me in a moment. In fact, Abel might have thought, well, well, Dad told me this place used to be so beautiful, and, and everything. he said, everything's changed since sin entered in, since that serpent entered in, and everything's just hard, and it didn't used to be hard. And that was because of God, and, and 
but I don't want to displease God. And look, God is so good to me. God, and he loved God. And because he loved God, he, he worshipped him. And because he worshipped him, he wanted to worship him with all that he had, all of his heart. And by, he did this by faith. And God regarded his sacrifice. Not because Abel was better, but Abel offered it by faith. Now we can go other places and we can see that um, his more excellent sacrifice may have done something with the fact that the sacrifice itself was a blood sacrifice and the need of the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of the need of propitiation. And it echoes forward that God was pleased with blood sacrifice. And so we can look back and see that. But I think what the author of Hebrews is telling us here in this passage is that it was offered by faith. Abel believed that God would receive his sacrifice. Because if you go back, and as we looked at a couple weeks ago, that in chapter 10, there were those who um, were falling away. There were those who were, um, were not continuing on. They, they forsook God's people. They forsook the assembling of themselves together. They were not holding fast. And the author was telling them to hold fast to the faith. Hold fast. Draw near with a true heart of assurance of faith. Have your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Because some, some have, have fallen away. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so you, God's people, um, will not fall away. But you continue on believing. Continue on living for the Lord, living by the faith that you profess. We have faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation, and then we live by faith in this life. Continuing on, trusting in the Lord, believing what he says, and following after him. And so he uses Abel as an example. He said, here's a man that loved God, who had a full assurance of of faith. And because he loved God, he worshipped God and knew that he he, he desired to please God and knew by faith that he could please God through this sacrifice. It was superior in the offering, but it was also superior in the offerer. It was by faith that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Because even if Cain had offered an animal sacrifice, it would not have been um, an excellent because he didn't offer it by faith. Even in the Old Testament, God said that he was sick to death of their feast days and their sacrifices. Not sick to death, but he was sick of them. He said that they were in a, he couldn't stand to, uh, to even smell their offerings because they weren't offered in faith. Well, Abel believed that God would accept this offering Receive what he, what he offered because he loved God, an offering by faith, an offering of love. And what happened? Well, God counted him as righteous. God, or Abel, obtained a witness that he was righteous. God received that, and everybody knew that God received it. So God gave testimony to Abel, that God received the worship that was given by faith, 
the God received that worship that was through that sacrifice of the animal. God testified of the Abel's gifts. And Abel being dead now yet speaks. So God testified of Abel's sacrifice. And Abel, even though he's dead, he still speaks to us today that God receives the worship of his people um, by faith. Faith through Jesus Christ. So you can worship God this morning by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can come here and know that God receives your worship because you love him. And you come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. So in chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We can have a, a full assurance of faith that we we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can have be fully assured that God loves us and we can stand before him in Christ Jesus. Full assurance. So, so Abel speaks to that full assurance that, that, that his offering is a testimony that those who come to God by faith um, can honor him and worship him and God will love us through in the Lord Jesus Christ. God offers that witness. God offers that testimony. Here's a testimony that we can believe. God testifies um, to this fact of his saving grace. He testifies that we can serve God, we can love God, we can worship God. And all through history, this sacrifice is spoken that, um, that God saves a people by grace. Abel had no example to follow, but he loved the Lord. And he lived and acted by faith. Well, um, the next thing that we see here is Enoch. And it says in verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had a testimony that he was pleased with God. So, a little bit later on, Enoch was born. And Enoch lived in a wicked time. Enoch um, was translated just 70 years before Noah was born. And you read through that genealogy, and it doesn't look like, I mean, it looks like it is kind of far away, but... It was only 70 years before Noah, so Enoch had connections back to probably Seth and, and maybe even Adam, but he had connections way back and then all the way to Noah. So we know he lived in a wicked time if it was just 70 years before Noah. We know from the book of Jude, he was the seventh from Adam. He prophesied of the wickedness that the Lord was going to come and judge, execute judgment upon all to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So Enoch was a preacher and he, he said this ungodly generation is going to be judged. Well, God translated him. Well, what's that mean? Well, he was in one place and he was in another place. That God, that he didn't die. He was raptured out of this life. So what does that tell us? Well, it, told, it was a testimony. Well, here was one that walked with God. And walking with God just means obeying God, pleasing God. 
So Enoch was translated by faith. He didn't see death. He didn't have to die. He was alive and God just took him. Enoch said, God's going to judge this earth. God's going to judge because you're, you're wicked. You're sinners. You're not walking in the, in, in the light. You're not walking with God. You're walking with the, the children of the devil. You're walking like the people of Cain. You're walking like the people of the serpent when your words and your deeds and your actions Oh, who wants to listen to old Enoch? No one cares about what Enoch has to say. Who cares about what, what that old man has to say? Then gone. Translated. He didn't die. It was a testimony. Enoch had a testimony, it says, that he pleased God. Everybody knew that Enoch pleased God. Everybody knew that he was walking in the way of God. And you say, well, why didn't people get in line? Well, why didn't Cain walk after Abel? No, Cain killed Abel. He said, here's a man that's walking after God. I think I'll kill him. Enoch's walking around, walking after God. Here's one. Well, we're going to hate Enoch. We're not going to listen to him. He had a testimony that he loved God. He bore witness that he pleased God. He walked with God. One that lived according to righteousness. Walking with God is pleasing God. And in Enoch's day, the whole world was walking after the seed of the serpent. The serpent had populated and covered the whole earth with wicked men. You could say that Enoch walked with God and followed him. He came to God. He sought after God. He had faith in God. About what? That he could please God. Without faith, it says, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, these two, I believe, in this section go together. Because you have, see, Cain couldn't please God with the works of his hands because Cain um, didn't come by faith. It didn't matter how good his works were, he didn't come by faith, and God did not regard the sacrifice. The men of Enoch's day couldn't please God because they were following their own hearts. They weren't following the, the way of the Lord. They weren't walking with the Lord. So we'll just do whatever we want and follow the hearts of our own imaginations. They were men of the unregenerate, the children of the devil, unbelievers, the brood of vipers, as John called the unbelievers, or of their father of the devil, as Jesus said. They couldn't please God. But both Abel and Enoch pleased God. How? By faith. Abel pleased God with the sacrifice. Enoch pleased God by his walks with God and his testimony of, of his walking with God. Now, as I, let me draw this to a conclusion here by, by thinking about uh, the, the testimony here. Because this is another way that these two are connected. In verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 2, it says, For the elders obtained a good report. Because by faith they obtained a good report. And then verse 39, it says, And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. And then in chapter 12, in verse 1, what do you have? You have a cloud of witnesses. Right? A good report is a, is a testimony. A testimony is something that you say and you declare. So in, in verse 2, you had the elders live by faith, and they had a good testimony, a good report. All these, it says at the end, they live by 
a good report. Then you have them as a cloud of witnesses. They had a testimony. Now they're all witnesses and they testify of, of God's saving grace. In verse number four, then, you have Abel and God testified of his gifts. So God gave a testimony that he received that worship. And in verse five, Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. We have this testimony that God saved sinners, that God, by grace, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, that, God, that we can please God, but we can only please God through faith. That you can come to God, but only by faith. And we have the testimony of Abel, the testimony of Enoch, the testimony of everybody in chapter number 11, and the testimony of God himself, that you can please God, but only by faith. That you can walk with God, but only by faith. You can come to God, but only by faith. You can worship God, but only by faith. You can be righteous before God, but only by faith. You can be forgiven of your sins, but only by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the only begotten Son. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And because we are justified, we can have a full assurance of faith in Christ Jesus, that we can live by faith, worship by faith, walk with God by faith, be received of God by faith. And this whole world is full of wickedness. This whole world is full of the children of the devil. But like Abel and Cain, we can follow our Lord by faith, disregard what the, the, the children of the serpent would say, and follow and please God according to his word. These examples show us what faith looks like. They were saved by grace through faith, and then they lived by faith. Abel and Enoch lived and walked by faith. Salvation is not by what we do, but it's faith in what Christ has done. And because we love God, because we're grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did for us, because when we think about how he saved us and cleansed us and give, gave us everlasting life, and we know that through Christ, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that we can come to him who we know is. And that because we've been justified, we can offer worship unto God. And we can walk with God. And we can, we can uh, live in the light of his presence and his fellowship. And we can please him. And we're grateful to him. And so we live by faith. This is what Abel and Enoch teach us, I believe. To know that we can please God through faith and come to God through faith. And that he, he by his grace, loves us and keeps us.